All right, basketball lovers. We are coming to you from the offseason. So we are going to talk about whatever the hell we want here. And it's our 69th episode. I'm Timmy Hall. That's my basketball-loving friend, Evil Bald Colin. And this whole podcast is going to be a guest podcast because there is some college basketball coming to Columbus very soon. As we're sitting here in early, mid-April, late April, April 23rd, Nationwide Arena, the HBCU Classic. It's going to feature Ohio All-Stars and HBCU All-Stars. This is a really cool event. It'll have a dunk contest attached to it. Our friend Matty Ice from your show, Rothman and Ice, is going to be a part of it. And we're going to talk for to, it. We're going to talk to Jim Clemens on this podcast. Yeah, I couldn't wait when I heard this because I, I know the lineage of what he's done as a coach and also as a player when he, he featured on the Lakers for one season when they won the title in 71-72. Uh, just so much winning and so much success in his back, basketball background. It's honestly kind of you're kind of in awe talking to a man like that and everything he's done. And you would just you just kind of want to pick his brain on the game and how he got into it. Yeah, Ohio guy by way of North Carolina and a Lyndon McKinley guy, Ohio State Buckeye. Clearly, first round draft pick. Mention a Laker. I mean, he checks a lot of boxes, right? He he was a Laker, a Cav, a Nick, a Bullet, and coached. All over the place. A little bit of college basketball at the beginning. Uh, coached at Ohio State from 83 to 87. Youngstown State. And then started a long coaching career in the NBA. You mentioned took him some of the stops that he had. He was. When you can go from Youngstown State head coach to assistant for the Jordan yeah, Bulls. That's yeah. pretty Jordan good. Pippen. I mean, he was. Jim Clemens is there for a lot of the monumental moments in basketball history. In the in the history of the NBA in the last thirty or forty years, it's pretty it's pretty awesome what this guy's done. So I hope you guys can kick back and relax, whatever you're doing here, however you're spending the start of your spring, and we'll have a lot of good podcasts coming up as we wrap our minds around things and what we want to do and what we want to discuss coming up here. But a a good long conversation with a basketball legend, a first round draft pick, someone who has kept basketball near and dear to his heart. From when he was a young man to he's now 72 years old and his his entire life has been dedicated to the game of basketball. And we love that about him. So enjoy this chat with Jim Clemens. It's Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Bang. Oh! 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 oh. oh. Sapped it in, Jerome! <laughs> College basketball. This is March Madness. All right, Mad About Hoops fans, we have got a good one for you. Colin, we are going back all the way. I guess I shouldn't say it like that. We're going back to the 1971 NBA draft and a first-round pick. 13th right overall. Here. Number 13 overall out of the Ohio State University, a man that amassed more than 1,300 career points wearing the scarlet and gray, and he has coached about everywhere you could possibly imagine in professional basketball. Jim Clemens is with us. 
Coach Clemens, thank you so much for giving us the time. I know a part of the reason you're here is because a really, really cool event is coming up to uh, Nationwide Arena here soon with the HBCU Classic All-Star Basketball Game. We are excited for it. April 23rd at Nationwide Arena, Arena District here in Columbus, Ohio. It's going to be great. Thank you so much for joining us today. What's new with you? Well, at my age, waking up mornings is, is a good thing. I, I don't need anything new. I'm trying to get used to what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Well, Colin, I gotta, we got to ask him the question. Every time we have a guest on the podcast, we, we have to start with where it all began. And we're a part of this game because we love it. We watch basketball. We talk about basketball because it's ingrained in us for whatever reason, whether that was our, our mom, our dad, our sister, our brother, one of our friends that, you know, first showed us the game where we started playing pickup ball when we were kids. Jim, when did it start for you? When did that passion and that love of basketball begin for you? Wow. That's a good question. And and I say it that way because people who know me for any length of time will tell you, and I'll tell you myself, baseball was my best sport. But the passion for basketball actually started in about the ninth grade when I realized that I had no one else. To, I'm, I'm the middle child, the only boy in my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I used to have to entertain myself. And in baseball, I was a pitcher, outfielder. Football, I was a quarterback, wide receiver, defensive back. And basketball became a challenge and intriguing to me because I couldn't play very well. And, but at the same point in time, guys, it gave me an opportunity to play by myself and playing by myself. I began to spend hours and hours of uh, just chasing the ball down because we didn't have any nets uh, on the playground. And that way, you know, when you strip the ball, and the court ran downhill, you had to go run after it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my driveway growing up. Yeah, so uh, so the more I played, uh, the more time I spent at the game and with the game, uh, my individual skills did start to develop better. But at the same point in time, uh, let's not kid yourself, I still wasn't a good player. But the one thing I've God did bless me with with speed and quickness. And uh, because I couldn't shoot, the guys didn't want me to shoot, but I was always a willing passer. So that that gave me some currency uh, because I didn't care about shooting, and the guys knew they picked me, and I was always the last pick or had the next next game, uh, so forth. You know you know how you do in Sandlot. Oh, the yeah. winners stay on. So... Uh, because I was would pass them the ball and I didn't want to shoot, uh, I was I was an easy guy to pick. So uh, somewhere about the seventh, the ninth grade, uh, the game started uh, to fascinate me once again because I had I had no skills. I had, I had no way to go but up, guys. <laughs> I, Colin, I love it, man. He's a I, facilitator. I Who's it's, the guy that doesn't want to shoot right from the very beginning? 
What a player, right? And then you're scoring pretty well once you get to college at Ohio State. But, Coach, it's actually really funny that you mentioned you started with baseball and then got your way into basketball. I remember our show here in town, Rothman and Ice, we interviewed Rex Kern, the former Ohio State football great, and he actually said he started off with basketball, was really good into that, and then Woody Hayes was recruiting him and actually got him to decide on playing football for them. And then uh, I think he did play a little bit of basketball at Ohio State too, but he kind of switched over to football at one point. Uh, I do want to ask you because I know you played for a really, really great coach there in with Ohio State with Fred Taylor. What was the recruitment process with him like? Well, Fred, Fred and I had we had a good relationship, and uh, I a lot of people here in Columbus had different opinion of Fred, but during the recruiting process, we got to know each other, and I, I trusted Fred. And because I think I trusted him and I said, and I said the things and asked the questions that I thought I needed to ask before I committed to Ohio State. And, and in my heart of hearts, I really believe Fred did the same. And so with that relationship of trust, I committed to Ohio State. Uh, a lot of people Ohio State in those days was not a popular choice. I don't know how long you guys have been in the Columbus area, but Ohio State uh, back in the uh, late 60s uh, was not a popular choice for guys who went to school at Ohio State, especially people of color. So uh, I had more people uh, who didn't look like me tell me that they were happy that I chose to go to Ohio State. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's the way I felt. I completely understand that and and the way things were in the 60s and early 70s. And, you know, one of the reasons you're here is because we're going to talk about this this HBCU All-Star game and what and what HBCUs do for so many young men all across the country was going to an HBCU a thought of yours. So I guess what was that? How difficult of a choice was that for you to go to Ohio State and not gravitate towards one of those other universities? And, and were there some options for you? Were you looking at any HBCUs when you were in high school? Well, the fact is, see, I I was born in North Carolina. Right. And yep. uh, my mother is a graduate of an HBCU. And uh, where did she go? She went to Winston-Salem. And uh, once it was in Winston-Salem Teachers College in those days, and now it's called Winston-Salem State, I think. I think that's the right. name of it. That's Big House Gaines School, correct? Yes, 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 it was. And yes, she, yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm a Presbyterian by faith, and uh, there's a school in Charlotte, North Carolina, called Johnson C. Smith. And Johnson C. Smith was a, being a church school, was a school that a lot of my relatives, if they were able to attend college, on my mother's side, went to Johnson C. Smith. And on my father's side, uh, the school called Winston-Salem, or no, North Carolina A&T. That's where uh, my relatives on my father's side, they attended college. They went to A&T. So, uh, so I grew up with, uh, there's a school down in Raleigh called Shaw, S-H-A-W. Shaw, oh, yeah. Shaw. And so that was also a school that I had some potential interest in based on my my ability to pay for college or 
scholarships or whatever, I was hoping to be able to attend uh, higher education. So uh, those are things that I was thinking about as I started to think about uh, education and what I was going to do with an education and how I was going to fund an education. Because Lord knows uh, there wasn't enough money to go around for us to pay our way into school. So either working uh, part-time, full-time, uh, scholarship or whatever, we knew that we wanted to go to school. When I say we, I'm talking about my siblings. I'm the middle child between two, two brilliant sisters academically. So uh, I felt that uh, they were going to get a- academic scholarships and me thinking I was going to get an, ac- an athletic scholarship that that was a laughable dream because <laughs> I had I, well once again I I had no athletic skills when you're talking about the age that we're talking about at this point in time. See, basketball was wasn't on my radar, baseball was, but uh, I didn't play baseball. I played one year. I I made the team baseball wise two years, uh, eighth and ninth grade at, at Lemoore where I went to middle school. Uh, but I didn't play hardly at all my eighth grade year. And uh, my ninth grade year, I was a pitcher, outfielder, and I and I did I did fairly well. But I, when I went to London, uh, I didn't play baseball at all. So uh, basketball, and I was a quarterback on the 10th grade team at London. But at the same point in time, you know, basketball was was the sport that's hanging out there that I put, started putting a lot of time with. So ultimately, the skill sets and everything that I did in basketball and had in other sports trans, translate themselves into being uh, just my all-around athletic talent. So basketball was uh, something off the radar, but as time started to develop, you know, it, it totally engulfed me and my time because I could spend time by myself working on individual skills. And that, that certainly helped me uh, with my career and my perspective on how the game should be played. Coach, I have one more question about your playing days because like you, you just listed, it's a great rise for you from going from where you were in your younger days of playing basketball to making it to the league, being a first-round pick, the 13th overall pick, to the Lakers a team that was filled with talent, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West. Like, what was your experience wow. like? You were only there for one year with that team, but what was your experience like being with those guys? Well, it's like uh, going to a candy store and you got a pocket full of money, but you know you don't have to spend a dime. <laughs> everything everything is free. You just got to show up. It was, uh, you know... Elgin was my Elgin was my childhood. You know, once I started following a little bit the pro game, Elgin was my favorite player because he did it all. Sure. And and the same point in time, sitting and watching and listening. Uh, my job my job that first year at, at the Lakers was just to, uh, according to Co- Coach Sharman, was just to learn the game. And uh, I couldn't have had uh, better leadership than uh, those those three gentlemen. And then I was the only rookie to make the team. And I had 11 or 12 older brothers. And uh, they, wow. they, they, treated, they treated me the way I, I, I couldn't have been treated better. 
guys. Uh, I I've got nothing but praise and glory for the, my teammates, my my rookie year because I was. I don't think half of them knew my name, uh, but they called me <laughs> Rook. All, all they knew was Rook. But uh, it, it was it was a wonderful experience. It truly was. Guys, we are uh, privileged to be joined with Jim Clemens, Ohio State Buckeye, first round pick in 1971. Colin just asking him there about the Lakers in that that rookie season, the 1972 NBA champs. 69 wins, CB, the Lakers that year, only to later be topped by those Chicago Bulls. But what's so great about it is you get that season, and then, Coach, I know you also coached a couple of years as an assistant with the Lakers, even during that three-peat with uh, Shaq and Kobe, correct? Well, I've got uh, six championship rings with the Lakers and four for Chicago. Wow. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. He was with Michael and the Bulls from 89 to 96. He was back with the Lakers again, Colin, as you alluded to, from 99 to 2004 with Shaq and Kobe. You enjoying that HBO show, by the way? I am. The winning time about the Showtime Lakers. I know that's a little bit later on when Magic shows up to town with Kareem, but that's uh, it's got to be a fun uh, look back at the past. And I know it's got that Hollywood dramatization in it, too. It's not all totally uh, uh, accurate, but but fun to watch. Well, you know, the Lakers in Los Angeles uh, during those times, the Rams, football-wise and baseball-wise, see, I was a Dodger fan because the Dodgers originally came from Brooklyn. And with Brooklyn, boom, you got Jackie Robinson, you got uh, Roy Campanella, you got a host of uh, baseball players that I knew. So I just, you know, love the fact that uh, being grow- growing up in Columbus, Ohio, in February, you're living in uh, Los Angeles, California. There's nothing not to love about Los Angeles, guys. You know, but before we start talking about this HBCU All-Star game here and why you're coming to Columbus – you mentioned him, and as we're doing the podcast this week, we are in the week that we'll have Jackie Robinson Day on April 15. And I, I just think it's so cool how everyone in the in the majors wears number 42 in his honor. I, I know you mentioned you mentioned Elgin Baylor before, how you looked up to him. You know, I, I'm wondering, did, did you ever get a chance to meet Jackie Robinson? And you know, if so, what was that like? If not, who was maybe one of those other athletes that you always looked up to? as a kid, being a, a three-sport guy, as you told us, football, basketball, and baseball? No, I didn't get a chance to meet Jackie. I, I have met his wife and a couple members of his family. Very cool. Because, uh, uh, he was very influential in terms of uh, his social consciousness. And uh, his wife used to have a social event up in upstate uh, New York uh, every spring commemorating a fundraiser for his work in, in philanthropic uh, adventures in terms of uh, giving, here we go again, not giving back, but continue to give forward in terms of his philosophy and things that his ideas about life and the social community. community. So like uh, Jackie was far more than any type of a baseball hero. He should be a national hero. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, Jim, as we as we look at this game that's coming up here at Nationwide Arena, how uh, how did you get involved with this? 
and how much are you looking forward to coaching a team of Ohio All-Stars that are going to take on a bunch of HBCU All-Stars? And really, it's just going to be a fun day of basketball, celebrating the sport, celebrating HBCUs, and all the good that comes from it. Well, I think the wonderful thing is that uh, it's about the game itself in terms of when I say the game itself, about basketball. Yeah. Uh, when I started playing basketball, I couldn't get the ball up to the hoop. But practice makes perfect, and perfect, fact, perfect practice can help you go a long, long ways because it, it, you continue to work on things that you don't do very well, but you see that this is a skill that's needed in order for you to succeed. And uh, that was my approach when I started talking about my younger days about playing basketball. Uh, to be honest, guys, I was I was really a poor basketball player because I grew late in age. I mean, I was in seventh grade, and my two older sisters were taller. Well, my baby sister was taller than I was. So uh, I had a long way to go. But basketball, once again, it teaches about commitment. And those are, those are things that you need in life if you're going to be successful. I mean, not all of us have that uh, – you know, we created, you know, smart and math or science and everything come, comes easy to us if we go, you know, uh, Spanish. My, my baby sister speaks Spanish like I tried to talk English. And uh, my older sister took Latin. So these are things, once again, academically, the game challenged me not only as a sport, but also to be a better student and to understand things that I had to work at and didn't come easily for me as, as a person. So I use basketball kind of as a metaphor of what I wanted to do with, with my life. And if I knew I wanted to go to college, and I did, I knew I had to become a good student. And so academics played a, a huge part in me wanting to become a, a better, better person because I knew I wanted to go to college. And once again, my idea of college was HBU schools because – that's what I grew up with. Uh, so I wanted to have a college education. I didn't think my parents had the money. Well, I knew my parents didn't have the money to send all three of us to school at the same time. So someone had to either sacrifice or all three of us be lucky enough and fortunate enough to get academic or athletic scholarships to help pay our way. And lo and behold, that's what exactly happened. My Both my sisters I uh, had academic scholarships, and I was fortunate enough and blessed enough to have an athletic scholarship, and that's how I got to college. And uh, I'm so happy that uh, it, it ended up that way. It, it really did. Uh, my my older sister is an attorney. It wasn't she was an attorney in town. My baby sister uh, has her doctorate in, in Spanish, so she speaks Spanish like I'm stumbling over English. <laughs> Evil bald Colin, also fluent Spanish speaker. Little not, known not fact as, about not him. As, not as much, no. <laughs> uh, coach, I want to talk to you about the game itself. I, I mean, I'm looking down down the rosters on both teams for the Ohio All-Stars. Obviously, locally, we know Cedric Russell for Ohio State. Uh, the HBCU All-Stars, I'm just recognizing a couple programs that I know really well with Howard. They had a pretty good year in the MEAC this year. Also, uh, North Carolina Central's Randy Miller, uh, 
He was a player for Lavelle Moton, who's had a pretty good couple seasons down there. Love Lavelle. Yeah. Great you, you guy. Got, you got a lot of really good talent. I, I saw the guy I mentioned for Howard, Kyle Foster. He led the team in scoring with about 15 points per game. You got a, a lot of talent going in this game, it seems. Well, I'm, I'm hoping they give us some talent. I mean, I think that's why people want to come up and see. When you talk about an all-star game, people, I just think, they want to see the players do what they do. Now, they don't need a platform. They just want people to show up so they can ooh and awe them and say, right, we're as good as the quote-unquote NCAA D1 kids and the ones that seeing, you know, go to the major colleges. This is their time to show uh, their skills, their uh, what, you know, how they play the game and what they bring to the game. So I'm hopeful that they get a chance to show the viewing public who they are athletically and the kind of programs and skill sets that they have. Yeah. And you're a big Daquan Plowden guy, aren't you, Colin from Bowling Green guys been, that guy's been a fantastic yeah, just player Bowling Green in the general. Falcons. They've had a lot of really good older players. So yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch both teams play. Yeah. You're going to like him. And like you mentioned, Cedric Russell, it was, it was great to have him on Ohio state this year who uh, transferred up out of Louisiana and Guy could get hot. We'll tell you that. Cedric Russell, I think he's going to let some threes fly. When you talk about this being an all-star game, I think he's going to – what's the over-under on three-point shot attempts for Cedric, Colin? Six and a half? Well, I would say a percentage of his shots, it'll be at least 65%. Oh, yeah, 65. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You know, Let's put that more like eight and a half, nine and a half You're probably right. for three-point attempts for Cedric. Well, as long as he's making – if he's going to take nine of them, Hey, for him to see the floor in the second half, he better have <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. We we hope that it's hot, Cedric. We don't we don't want to see our, our boy Cedric getting benched in an all star game for goodness sakes. Are are you are you gonna get a chance to check out the dunk contest? Are you going to hang out for the uh, dunk contest that's uh, attached to this event? Without a doubt. Good. I mean well see here you go. Uh there there are gonna be other people in the basketball industry, uh, putting their eyes on, on these young players. And I want to do the same thing. See, if when you're talking about, and, and I, I really hope the game is being, shall we say, sold properly to the, to the viewing public, people want to see an all-star game. And I want to see um, the group that I'm teaching, coaching uh, as well. I want them to play their butts off. But I want them, we want to win the game, but I want them to show a side of them that the fan who's followed them hasn't seen before and leave that arena ooh and on and happy that they attended. I like it, man. Coach, I like I, it. I have one more question. I was going to save it for this one because you just led me into it. Um, our guy here at the station, Matty Ice Hayes, he's going to be one of the judges for the dunk contest. And I was discussing on what the criteria was for how he was going to grade dunks. And he said, like, the baseline for like a basic windmill or something like that's going to be a six. Is that too harsh or is that about right in your that's opinion? That's it? A, for a, a windmill? Is it's a, a basic six? windmill, yes. Wow, that's tough. Well, it's going to depend on his his ability to elevate. Now, elevate, I'm talking about jumping. Yeah. And can does he throw the ball through or he, you know, with, a, with command of strength and athletic talent, you know, he, he dunks the ball. Or he just barely clears know, the rim. Above the, yeah, right. Yeah. So see, see, so I'm I'm there as an observer. I want to see guys elevate. 
you know, if a guy, you know, uh, think back when Spud Webb won the dunk contest. Mm. You see a little, you know, and I, I know, I know Spud. I'm, I'm gonna call him quote unquote a little guy. <laughs> well, that, that's has, a Carolina guy too, right? NC State dude, Spud Webb. Spud, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but see, it's your ability to you. You got to do something to separate and make the crowd go ooh and ah. You got to get the crowd into it. So when you see quote unquote a smaller athlete up there dunking his butt off and, and throwing the ball through with some authority, that gets the crowd off the seat and say yeah. And so you that's what you got to do. You got to get people on the feet. If you don't want it there, be you. You want them to be part of the show. You know what? And you know, to your point, Colin. If if you're going to like Jim is talking about, do a windmill dunk, but you are really going to get up and you're going to get your eyes at rim level, and you are going to ferociously throw that thing through the hoop. So maybe even just splash the wickets right off the rim. You know, just tear the net right off the rim. That, to me, is better than trying some ridiculous dunk that you attempt and miss the first four times because that doesn't really get the crowd out of their seats. As I think we've the watched NBA, the NBA yeah, dunk contest NBA. really fail at this lately because guys are attempting things they can't convert, and the air just gets let out of the building. I don't know if you agree with me on that, Jim, but you got you to go after something that you know you can convert. You better have practiced it, know you can do it, and then go and do it. Absolutely. That's what, uh, practice, practice, practice. Don't practice. come with something you, you want to in, invent uh, last week. You know, it, I, all these guys, if they're true dunkers, they've got something in their back pocket that, you know, they got a go-to dunk that they know that's going to get the people off their feet, that's going to get their attention. And then off of that, you need two more, because it basically it's for three or four unless it's a you know tie and those are rare. But you gotta have some, you gotta have something in your hip pocket that you know is gonna get the people off the feet and it's gonna make it's gonna distinguish you from the other guys in the set. If you can't do that, you don't believe you don't belong in a dunk contest. <laughs> well, I I can't wait for this event. It is the College basketball all-star game. It's the HBCU Classic coming to Nationwide Arena on April 23rd. Jim Clemens is going to be the coach of the Ohio All-Stars. We mentioned Cedric Russell is going to be on his team from Ohio State. Taking on the HBCU All-Stars. Colin broke down a little bit of that roster. You're going to be going up against your guy, Robert Jones. He's going to be the coach on the other side. I know you're really excited for this. Uh, by the way, do you get to pay attention to much Ohio State basketball? I know you've been you've been a coach in the game for the last forty years, and you are very very busy. But do you get time to watch any Buckeye basketball? Pay attention to what this team has been doing the last several years. I, I watch on occasion. I'm, sometimes I'm in and out of town. I don't see them as much as I would like to. But coach has done a wonderful job in growing, developing the talent. So they they you know the, the Big Ten is a good conference. They haven't fared as well as I know they'd like to, uh, you know, in the, in the tournament. Seems like we get, we get, we mean Big Ten, we get upset because other teams get hyped up for us. But at the same point in time, if you, you got to represent, you know, you can't be just good in conference. You, and that's why uh, I think that uh, you need to play out of conference and a tough, uh, very difficult non-conference uh, schedule 
so that when it comes down to these interconference games in the in the in, in during the playoff, you you got a, a better idea how these teams play each other in their conferences and not just in your in your own conference. I think that's where uh, I don't I I'm I'm not talking about I'm talking about scheduling, but everybody can't mm-hmm. play all all the teams that they want to. But you got to play these teams in other conferences to get a flavor and a feel of what you're going to be seeing come mad, March Madness. Coach, I just have a couple more before before we let you run. Just about your playing days, and it was a it was a great nine year NBA career. And after LA, it was of course the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you had a good run there with the Cavs in the seventies. So uh, we got a lot of you know uh, listeners, hopefully that were fans of that team growing up, and all, all the dudes that were on the Cavs back then. You played for the Knicks, you played for the Washington Bullets in that last year. In, in your whole career, maybe this was that first year with the Lakers. Maybe it came afterwards. Did you ever have like an oh crap moment? Like I, I just got worked so bad, or you had to pinch yourself like I'm playing against the best in the world, or did you not have that? Were you were you ready? Like you you. You spent so much of this podcast telling us how you weren't a good player when you grew up and you dedicated yourselves to to development and working on skills. But was there a moment like that early on in your NBA career where you maybe got, got caught by a superstar? Well, the moment I got caught by a superstar, my first NBA practice, I had to guard Jerry West. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, hey, kid, you know, well, welcome to the league. But you know what? But that's what you grow up dreaming about. Was Jerry nice you know? to you? Was he nice to me? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Jerry didn't know. Jerry didn't know how to take me because, see, at the same point in time, see, they were in L.A. and I got scouted. Oh, by uh, by the Midwest scout, and he won over because they knew, they thought Jerry was going to retire, and. My rookie year, Jerry West had the best season he'd had in years, and he decided to come back. And so that got my butt traded. <laughs> if Jerry West had retired, I, I would have been a Laker probably for a long time. But because he had a good year and we won the NBA title, he wanted to come back and defend that title. And they weren't going to sit me for two years behind Jerry West so they had a guard. They drafted, they, me, management, drafted a guard by the name of Mike Price from Louisville. And Bill Fitch took Austin Carr. So when they decided they weren't going to sit me for two years in a row to sit behind and play behind Jerry West, they decided to trade my butt. So that got me to Cleveland because Fitch thought he had a backcourt of the, of the future with Austin Carr at number one mm-hmm. and me at number 13. Wow. Frickin' Jerry West. I forgot Pat Riley was on that team, too. <laughs> yeah, Pat Riley, of course. Yeah, who'd later become the coach. Jerry yeah. West was later the coach, too. Yeah, that's right. We we had, we had a wonderful team, guys. A wonderful team. And I was their little brother, and they treated me they treated me like I was a little brother. Rook, my, my nickname on the team was Rook. And when they were going out for dinner, Rook, let's go. Rook, let's do this. Rook, Rook. I mean, I was like the little puppy or the little brother <laughs> lagging behind. Rook, let's do this. And they and it was a wonderful experience. I mean, guys, we won 33 games in a row. 33 games in a row. Take that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's uh, that ain't something that you see. It's still an NBA record, yeah, guys. It's still it. I mean, how many records? And, I, and I'm going to tell you the truth. 
I don't know how long God's going to let me grace this earth, but I don't want that record to be broken as long as I'm alive. I think that's a record for the ages. So uh, that that that's that's the one wish I think I, I, I'll put out there, and I'm, I'm very happy to say it. it was a wonderful team. Bill Sharman was a hell of a coach. Hey, I learned defense from a guy by the name of Casey Jones. Casey Jones. Absolutely. See? See? So I love to play defense, but I had the guy – who would talk about putting a guy in your hip pocket and not let him go to the end of the game? Hey, that was Casey Jones. I talk, I could talk basketball offense with Bill Sharman. I could talk defense with Casey Jones. I, I had a wonderful, I had a wonderful experience. Coach, I, that, I, no, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead, finish up. I was just going to say I've been truly blessed with the sport. It's afforded me an education yeah, from the Ohio State University. It's afforded me friendships that have lasted a, a lifetime. I've seen six of the seven continents in this world, and I have a wonderful family uh, and a you know, great, great wife and kids. So basketball, as the man said, has been very, very good to me. God, I and love I hope, it. And I, I, hope, love I hope all this is reflected by people showing up and letting these kids, these young people know from these HBCs that right. We support you. We like what you're trying to do. We're going to give you the love and the devotion and the gratefulness of coming to our city and showing you a wonderful time. It's guys like this guy. We like doing this podcast. He picked up the game when he was a youngster, like a lot of us, in middle school, and he's 71 years old. 71, 72 years young, we should say, and even, even recently, He's coaching at a high school in Los Angeles. He's coached at the top of the world in the NBA at the highest level, and he's around the game because he's dedicated to the game of basketball. And ball is ball at whatever level you're talking about. Jim Clemens, everybody, a Buckeye, a Los Angeles Laker, a Cav, a Nick, a Bull. He's coached all over the place. We really appreciate the time. Thank you for taking such a, such a long time out of your day to talk basketball with us here. Well, thank you, and hope we get your audience to fill up the arena on the 23rd, and we have a hell of a time. We sure hope so. Jim, thank you so much. You're welcome. Awesome, man. We got it recorded. Thank you so much. That was nice of you. Thank you so much, Coach. Okay. See you guys later. Yep, yep. yep. See you in Columbus. Have a good one. All right, Colin, did that – was that what you were expecting? Because we haven't, we haven't had a guy on – of Jim's age on the podcast, and I, I'm glad know. that we did it. You we never haven't... know what you're getting personality-wise, but he really opened up, and he really kind of let loose and kind of told us everything. Well, look, um, it, it's good to talk to guys because he he graduated in 1971. Clearly, things have changed. The game has changed, but this guy has a lifetime of knowledge and things to give an audience. It's why, you know, when, as you're, you know, as I'm raising a son and I'm, I hope it, it's sort of the same thing for everybody. The people that look like they've been around the block a little bit longer than you open up your ears and listen to some of the wisdom that they have to share. Because I mean, even when, when Jim's talking about I mean, even with making the, past, the decision to go at, to Ohio state, right? Because his of lineage of what he's all done through well, his entire career. I'm, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about having to experience racism and yes. thinking about things like that. When you pick your, your school and 
why why HBCUs exist, right? In the first place. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing, is a big is a big topic and here we are and we're trying to raise money for it with this All-Star game and he talked about, you know, being in a large family and wondering if, you know, his his family would be able to afford to send all of his brothers and sisters to college and he had to go out there and work extra hard to get a scholarship. He's just a neat guy. And boy, you go pull up his resume and look at where he's been. If you go and pull up Jim Clemens on Wikipedia and look at, you know, where he's coached, where he played, he is just, he has been around the block with the game of basketball. It's quite honestly, it's been everywhere and everywhere that's been good. You're talking, we, we listed it 89 to 96 with the Bulls. Uh, 99 to 04 with the Lakers when they had that three peat. Uh, he then went back to the Lakers when it was 06 to 011 where Kobe was really starting to put it on teams. Uh, and then he finished out with the Bucks and Knicks. Like he, uh, such a great, great resume of basketball. Yeah, he just he missed the second three peat with the Bulls. That's right. But he traded it in for the the three peat with the Lakers. So which I think is I, I yeah, think you'll take that's that. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. And he got the championship in the the, the year with the Lakers. The story's really, about Jerry West. Yeah, too. that's just the classic stuff, right? One thing I wish we would have gotten into, maybe it's for a different day, but just we hear all about the Kobe and Shaq dynamic and how it changed throughout the time that they were there up until when Shaq was eventually traded. I wonder from his perspective how that went. I mean, again, for a guy that that saw so many different eras of basketball and the way play you know just the way players play the game and then how we got into the 21st century and sort of attitudes shift a little bit too with how you coach people just i i mean i can't even i can't even imagine how you know all of jim's thoughts if we were to talk to him over the course of a day you know how how much has changed and how different every level of basketball even going from possibly coaching Michael Jordan with the Chicago Bulls in the early 90s to how things change a little bit when you talk about Shaq and Kobe and how those guys were the dudes and the the newfound superstars of of that era. You know, Shaq and Shaq and Michael and those guys kind of intertwined, but Jordan to Kobe was more so of a passing of the baton because Kobe, he got into the league in the 90s, but he was still a very young pup. And it oh, took him yeah. a few years to sort of get up to speed and then by the time he was running things, Jordan was about done with his with his run. You can't really count those Wizards years, even though it was still Jordan. It was cool to see, but he was done. Lakers sort of took over. Kobe then had his his career as good as it was. No, yeah, you've had documentaries. You've had Kobe talk about those years where he was going up against him as a young one and trying to guard him and kind of learning the mentality from him to what he built into the day when he was really at his peak with the Mamba mentality. I think he got a lot of what he saw from, Co- or from, excuse me, from Jordan and all of that competing back when he was with the Bulls and kind of transformed it into that. But yeah, great, great story, great background on, on Coach Clemens, and I, I'm really glad we had the opportunity to talk to him. Did you ever play in an all-star game? <laughs> I, I played one in soccer, yeah, when I was in high school. But Soccer uh, all-star game? I did, yeah. I did, oh, I did for football too. So it was, oh, it's funny. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be that person that reminisces on high school too much. But I, I played on like, I played not on the same team, but I played across like Paris Campbell and all of them oh. back in the uh, Ohio North-South Classic. All right, so I, I can do you one better. The only all-star games I ever played in were league all-star games. Not school ball, league ball. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I do remember a league basketball all-star game that was really, it was fun. It, it, it was a lot of fun. And for Little League Baseball, made a couple of all-star teams. And that bad boy as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's not too special. It's no big deal. Just a baseball and a basketball all-star. That's all, you know. I think I scored eight points in that basketball game. Probably hey, went one for two in the one you were there, and that's Little all, League all-star all game. You were there, and that's all that three matters. Innings. Yeah, you just... It's really just the achievement. What, what, I want everyone else to have the fun. You know, I'm just happy to just have that on my Wikipedia page. Put the star there. All-star. 1994. All-star. Woodbridge Little League. Eastern Prince William Basketball Association. 1995. I wasn't all-star. even born yet. Check so. the box. That's right, man. I was making all-star <laughs> teams before you were on planet Earth. Think of everything Jim Clemens had done. By oh 1994. my gosh! Yeah, he was already uh, finishing up his first <laughs> stint with the uh, his uh, stint with the Bulls. Again, everybody, uh, check it out. HBCU Classic coming to Columbus and Nationwide Arena. Ohio All Stars taking on HBCU All Stars April 23rd. Going to be a great event. That was a fun one, man. That was really fun. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And uh, keep checking back. We're going to have some more stuff coming up for yeah, you. Yeah, man, that was a great conversation. Uh, he, he provided a lot of insight, and I think a lot of goodies into the history of the game and everything he, he's experienced. I think people can take away from that. And, yeah, in terms of the game today, I, I can't wait to dive into some of the, the transfer portal stuff once that settles down. And then what does the NBA draft look like? Who's mm-hmm. staying in and who's coming back? I just saw, as of this recording, Armando Baycott's coming back to UNC. So the Tar Heels are going to be just as good as they've been. And Caleb Love is looking for a blue check mark on Twitter. I think they ought to give it to him. I think you he know, deserves just it. Just saying, sixty-one thousand followers. I think, I think they ought to can, give it to I him. I think he can verify he is who he <laughs> is. The shot is verified. The uh, offense is verified. Uh, his game, his swag, it's all verified. So yeah, everybody, just uh, be sure to keep checking uh, your favorite team and their action in the transfer portal because it's happening a lot. And we will be back. Everybody, be well, and thank you for listening to Mad About Hoops.